From the Financial Times in London, I'm Ravi Matu, the FT's technology editor, and this is FT News. For Western counterterrorism agencies fighting ISIS, one challenge stands out the rise of ubiquitous encryption technology. Companies including Apple and Google strengthened their encryption tools in the wake of the revelations of widespread internet surveillance by NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden. But following the terrorist attacks in Paris, the heads of the CIA and the FBI have both said that this needs to change. Joining me to discuss this is Sam Jones, the FT's defense and security editor. Sam, what are the jihadis doing that has got the intelligence chiefs so worried? It's as much what is happening anywhere in the background as what the jihadis themselves are proactively doing, and that is the rise of encryption as a sort of standard for many communications apps that you would have on your smartphone. So jihadis and terrorists have gone out of their way to try and disguise their communications for many, many years. The problem is now that it's incredibly easy to do so. So whereas before, when you were talking in the days of al-Qaeda, you'd have had to have gone to quite a lot of lengths to use properly encrypted technologies on your email, where you might have sent stuff by telegram even, and al-Qaeda used stenography quite a lot even. Nowadays, you can download an app sometimes for free, sometimes for not very much money, that'll make it very, very hard for intelligence agencies to crack into what you're sending and read your messages and uncover plots. And the second element to that is that a lot of what the NSA and GCHQ and others were doing, as exposed by Edward Snowden, was the sort of bulk data collection activities that was producing the leads for investigations to uncover plots. And the problem there is that as the encryption spreads, the chatter, as signals intelligence people like to talk about it, uh, is much harder to come across. There is simply so much more noise that you're not getting the kind of signals, the hints of plotting that you might have been before. So does that suggest that the intelligence chiefs, people like John Brennan at the CIA and James Comey at the FBI, do they have a point then when it comes to the difficulty that they're facing in terms of tracking some of these plots? They have been publicly and privately relentless in saying, post-Snowden, this is a real problem for us, that as encryption becomes more widespread, we are losing capability. The phrase they, they repeat is going dark. They talk about how there are plots that they are no longer able to track or individuals they are no longer able to track. And this is particularly interesting in the case of Paris because here we had a large cell of people, at least eight, that perpetrated the attacks and a network beyond them that was organising this. And there's a question here about how that wasn't detected and how the guy that was pulling the strings with this plot, someone called Abdel Hamid Aboud, who had been known to French intelligence for many months now and sought and wanted by them for his connections to a number of plots, how was he able to pull this all together? And the suggestion, and I stress we don't have any concrete evidence of this yet, but the suggestion is that he was using encrypted communications to do so. Of course, One of the things which critics of that view of the CIA, the FBI, say that um, traditional intelligence practices are also found wanting. So in the case of the supposed ringleader, many people thought he was still in Syria. Of course, he came back into Europe undetected, which would suggest that more conventional ways of checking passports, etc., etc., were also problematic. So presumably those who disagree with the idea that encryption is a bad thing are saying, look, that's one part of it, but there's a much bigger picture here of failures, and it's not just down to the chatter that you talk about earlier. That's right. And I think if you spoke to some of the intelligence chiefs candidly, they would say, yeah, sure, we do need to go back to other methods. 
And there is also a sort of grudging realization that encryption isn't going away, that it's here to stay. And this is a trend they have to deal with. So although they don't like it, they do have to build out other ways around this problem. One of those is traditional intelligence. In Europe, as with this plot, it's not even necessarily a question of intelligence, as you say. It was a question of border control, of of sometimes basic policing. I mean, this guy was flagged. He was a known individual. People had his picture. He taunted the French from an interview that he gave in ISIS's magazine, De Bic, many months ago, just after the cell he was in charge of in Belgium was busted, when he fled to Syria. And he's come back. So some failing here occurred at a much more basic level, not related to his communications, but simply related to sort of gumshoe policing. Of course, it's interesting to see the technology companies themselves, because they would argue they're responding to what consumers want them to offer them. One which is spoken about a lot of, for instance, is Telegram which was founded by Pavel Durov, a Russian who was persecuted by the Russian state and created this in order to have his messaging not monitored by the state. Their company, an app which I believe is used a lot, they're kind of a messaging app, but they today, I believe, have deleted themselves 78 accounts in the wake of the Paris attacks. Where do companies like that fit in this process? Because presumably they're both, as I say, responding to what consumers want and still they're not completely devoid of understanding the bigger picture. Well, well, that's the sort of paradox at the heart of this encryption debate, is that in many ways, as with Telegram, encryption is a good thing for liberal, open, democratic societies. You know, it protects citizens from undue interference, and certainly it protects companies from cyber attacks. Recent losses of personal data from companies that have been hacked by individuals could have been easily avoided had that data been more fully encrypted. So there's this tension And Telegram is the perfect example of this because, as you say, it was an app set up precisely because of the overreach of a repressive surveillance regime in Russia, the FSB, the the state security service there. And this was designed to be a good thing for civil society. But we live in this kind of ambiguous age when it comes to online communications and morality. And in the same way that people were lauding Twitter for kind of being that groundswell online platform of the Arab Spring in its early days, you know, then Twitter became this kind of platform that was colonised by ISIS and used to push out its propaganda. And Telegram is kind of the same. So, I mean, these things ultimately are double-edged swords. And I don't think anyone's calling for them to be banned necessarily. But I think the intelligence agencies want there to be this open debate and a sort of realisation that if you are running a platform like Telegram, then you need to have some kind of responsibility over who your users are. And Telegram, as you say, has in the past few days banned dozens of ISIS-linked channels that were on there. And I mean, ISIS is is very adaptive as well. So ISIS will jump to a new platform. That's what they've been very good at. So I don't think this problem is one that's going to go away anytime soon. Finally, what are the things that the intelligence agencies are doing to adapt when encryption isn't going away anytime soon? As you say, they realize this is here to stay. I'm going to figure out a way around this. Are there things that they're doing? Well, obviously, there's a lot of noise about the encryption debate, but encryption isn't the be-all and end-all of this. And just because someone's mail is encrypted, it doesn't mean there aren't other things that you can learn about them based on their communications. I mean, there's the whole sort of metadata issue. People who are using mobile phones, you can still triangulate their position from those mobile phones. You can still hack into a mobile phone if you want to target it, even if breaking into the actual contents of the messages is tricky. 
And of course, the use of encryption is patchy. You know, no one has perfect operational security. So there are certainly avenues and ways around this problem for the intelligence agencies. It's not true to say that they have completely lost all of their signals intelligence capability. And the other important trend here, I think, is to remember that we are not endlessly moving to this age of total encrypted communications because we live in an age of social media and we live in an age of companies that collect data on us, that mine data on us. That's how the likes of Facebook and Google make their money. And they won't be able to do that in a totally encrypted world. So they don't have an interest in that either. So I don't think we're going to end up in this kind of black and white situation. I think ultimately we're going to sort of carry on and it's going to adapt, it's going to move and it's not going to settle. And that, of course, will be a challenge for the intelligence agencies, but that's exactly why you're seeing an awful lot more money thrown their way. The paradox of modern technology and how it will evolve in the coming days, weeks, months will be very interesting to watch. Sam Jones. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks very much.